0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy Epiphany. Anybody know what Epiphany means? Oh, good. A few of you do. Uh, over the Cindy, what's Epiphany me? What was that? What was it? What? Uh, new, new, beginnings? new beginnings? It's actually a vision. It's a new, a new vision, a uh, new vision of, 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 uh, of something in the world. But, um, yeah, it's when the Magi came to see the Christ child. And so the world got to see Jesus like, and the Magi reflected the whole people of of God the whole people that were all over the world so it's epiphany it's uh it's the first Sunday of the new year any of you make New Year's resolutions no um, I saw one hand well recently I was at a an event and they and they had a camera set up and so they were asking people to go down in front of the camera and say what your new year's resolution is going to be so I went down I was trying to think about what in the world am I going to resolve doing the new year so I went down in front of the camera I said I'm going to do Abba Abs with my kids. Um, now, I don't know if, if any of you know what that means. My, my daughters, all my kids, they do some dance. And so uh, in their dance studio, they do these things where, where you do sit-ups, but it's not just sit-ups, but it's crunches. And then you do tricycle stuff, and then you do all kinds of crazy stuff with your legs to, to Abba music. You know, the, the band from the, the 70s. So it's Abba Abs. And it's painful. I'm just telling you it's painful right now. Just to think about doing it is painful, because I've, I've been doing it for f- a few days, and it's like, oh, that hurts. Everything about that hurts. As I was saying I'm going to do ever abs there was somebody else in the room, and, and the other person in the room said, you know what, I think I'm going to commit to know my neighbors better. And I'm like, whew, like, that's a, that's a pretty deep sense of, of understanding the world in which you live in, the place where you live. And your own sense of what is really needed at this time. That we live in a time and a place where we need to know our neighbors. Like that's a profound kind of course setting for for a person's life at the beginning of the new year. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, people within the pages of Scripture who are looking for a reset, for a new sense of course setting. We've been following along in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to pick up Uh, in the gospel of luke today at a place where we we hear about john and jesus the two boys who who started off the gospel of luke and they've grown up and they're living into the the plan that god has set out for their life into the places where god has marked them and john is is uh, preaching in the in the wilderness he's talking about a baptism and a number of people come to him to be baptized and then and then some people are going to ask him, are you the Messiah? And he's like, no, but somebody's going to come and they're going to bring a spirit baptism. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to bring a spirit baptism. And as we read through the text, I'd just like for you to see a couple different th- ways in which there's water baptism and spirit baptism. And there are things that we, we've talked about. Many of you have experienced water baptism. Hopefully many of you experienced the baptism of the spirit. And some of us need to experience both of those. But water baptism is often marked by this where humans are the, the baptizers. By the way, any of you ever swim with your cousins or your siblings and been baptized? <clears throat> you know, like I was, eventually I was baptized in a pool, but I think I got baptized about 500 times by my cousins. I think it was, it was uh, humans certainly are the baptizers. In the spirit baptism, it's Jesus that pours out the spirit. Jesus gives the spirit. Jesus sends the spirit along with the Father. In water baptism, there's often uh, a sense of, we get to experience the water, water of some kind, whether you're, you're immersed or whether you're sprinkled or whether water is poured upon you or if, uh, well, there's all kinds of other things. It's just kept in my, my mind right there, but there's all kinds of a sense of water. Uh, St. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas said, even if all the water you have left is the spit that you can put on your tongue, he said, that is water. You get to experience something like that when you have um, water baptism the spirit baptism is in the form of a, of a dove and we'll hear about that as we read the gospels today in water baptism there's repentance of sins typically repentance of sins what we um, experience within the church is a repentance of sins and the spirit baptism it's not just about repenting of sins but there's a power there's an infusion of power godly power godly life that comes into us and so we want to pay attention to that and then lastly um in water baptism there's a, a cleansing um, you might think of it like like your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher you rinse them off right you get them somewhat clean but in the spiritual in, in the baptism of the spirit there's a deep purification that touches the very the very depths of our hearts and our souls and we become people who who the entirety of our lives become oriented toward God they get tuned into God And we walk, we long and desire to walk with God. So um, we're going to hear about those two baptisms in the story that we pick up from the Gospel of Luke. So if you've got a Bible with you, um, if you've got an an app where you want to pull that out, um, I'd encourage you to do that, or you can look at the screen. Luke 3, 3 is where we're going to start, and we're going to flip down to verse 7. But there in Luke 3, the writer says, John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes. Older translations tend to tend to put a little more bite into that. You brood of vipers. That's um, an interesting way to greet people in a morning. You brood of Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. We're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I can tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Well, the crowd said to him, well, what should we do? And John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Everyone, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave To untie the straps of his sandals, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and with his winnowing fork. Then he'll clean up the threshing area and he'll gather the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with the never ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news of the gospel to the people. There is, in verse 15, an interesting word picture that, that Luke gives to us as we read that text. I mean, first we get to see John the Baptist out somewhere in the Galilee and, or in the, in the wilderness around um, the Jordan River. But then in Luke fifteen or 3.15, Luke says that the people who went out to see him, they were expecting the Messiah to come soon. They were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. There was with these people who went out to see John. John, somebody who in, in other places we know had a sense of unique look about him. Like he was dressed in camel's hair. And it said that he, he ate a honey and locust. That was his kind of his diet. This very interesting preacher, proclaimer. People went out to see him because deep inside of them, there was a spiritual hunger that they just knew was present and was there. Earlier today, I was was reading uh, in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 60. And in the prophet Isaiah, the Lord speaks through the prophet to a people who are about to be relocated. And he says, there's going to come a time when your relocation comes to an end and you're going to be able to come back to this place that you've lived in. And I'll make sure that you get to come back to this place. I promise you that. And the promise of Isaiah was fulfilled. The people did, who had been carried off into captivity, off into Babylon, had returned. And they had resettled in the land of Israel. And many of them had heard the story, the story of, of Abraham and of Moses. And they knew that they had been delivered in this, this land that they were living in. It was a land of promise, of a land that had been given to them. And yet, at the same time, as they heard John preach, as they saw John preach... They lived in a land where they didn't have a sense of freedom. They didn't have a sense of agency. They didn't have a sense that what what was out in front of them was a sense that they could have any degree of determination about. They lived in a land where the Romans were in charge. Even though it was their land, it was the promised land, it was like they still lived in this sense of captivity. And the sense of captivity meant that they cried out to God. And they're like, Lord... We need another exodus. We need your hand to come upon us. We need a deliverer. We're living in this land that we're supposed to call home, that we're meant to call home. And yet we don't feel free. And so there was John out in the wilderness. He began to preach about how we needed to repent and how there was forgiveness of sins. And there was within the people of John's day a sense that we need to go listen to him. We need to pay attention to him. In our own day, there's a spiritual hunger that rests upon the heart of all of us. There's something that, that is stirred up within us. And sometimes we go looking for places to fill that, that need, that, that voice that's within us. And sometimes we find it. But oftentimes in the breadth of our culture, in the breadth of where we're at, we go hunting and pecking. We go from thing to thing. St. Saint, uh, Saint Augustine said, you know, deep within all of us have hearts that are restless until our hearts find their rest in God. So all of us are spiritually hungry. All of us thirst and we long. We long to be connected to God. Well, in John's time, people went to him and he began to preach and he, he preached about repentance. Repentance. He preached about the forgiveness of sins. He preached about how there were things within the life of Israel that needed to be confessed. And people needed to turn their hearts to God to to seek repentance. And so his baptism was primarily about that. About coming to him and saying, you know, there are things in my life I need to change. There are things in my life that I need to, to pivot away from. And so John would baptize people. And they'd come up and it's like having a fresh start, a new start. I uh, sometimes joke, I guess it's not so much of a joke, around our house and that when I was a kid, you know, I, I, uh, I'd usually take one bath a week when I was a kid. Um, whether I needed it or not, uh, most of the times I needed it. Uh, that has a way of impacting kids, right, when they hear that story. Some kids take you up on that challenge, like, can I live into that too? And you're like, no, you can't. But they go, yes, we're going to, we're going to try. But in John's day, and in days gone back, you know, the idea of, of getting clean was something that, I mean, there's all kinds of old stories, even from the West, about how people once or, or twice a year, they would take a bath or they'd take a shower, they'd finally clean up. And that had to be profound, what that was like. But here it is, here's John the Baptist, people are coming to him, and they don't just get to get clean on the outside, take a bath like that, but it's like, I get to get stuff off my chest. I get to to say, there's stuff that I don't want to carry around, shame and burdens and conversations I've had and stuff, I just want to leave that in the past. Is there any way that I can leave stuff in the past? John says there's all kinds of ways you can leave things in the past, when we confess our sins and we can be freed from that. We can turn our hearts toward God. So people were responding. And then they began to ask, like, well, is that all there is to it? And John said, no, you know, there's more to repentance. There's more to confession than just saying stuff that's been done in the past. He looked at all the people who began to gather around him. And one of the things we ought to note about the people who gathered around John was that they couldn't always find people who would speak to them about the truth of who God was because they were people who were on the outside. The soldiers, they still had a spiritual hunger. And yet they, they couldn't find people who would give them the time of day if they would go to a synagogue or the temple in Jerusalem, because they were people who worked for Rome. The tax collectors could come and they could hear John preach, but they couldn't go to a synagogue because in the synagogue they would be viewed as trespassing and as looking for something else. There were All kinds of people who could come to John. Everybody could come to John and hear what he had to say. Then they wondered, well, how do we keep this up? Where do we keep going with this? And he said to those people who had extra food, if you've got extra share with those who don't have any, if if you've got a cloak, you've got two cloaks, and you find somebody that doesn't have one, give one away. If you're a tax collector, don't collect more than what you're supposed to. If you're a soldier, Don't abuse those who are around you. The reality was when John began to think about what is God like and what does God require of us, what God requires of us became very practical, became something that had to be lived out in our lives. There's a Catholic bishop from from Saginaw, Michigan. He he wrote this about the practicality of, of what John was saying. He said, John's teaching to the tax collectors, the soldiers, and everybody else, is the gospel applied to each individual life with its own circumstances? You know, each one of us, you think about the life that you're living, you think about the places where you're really excelling, or you think about the places that you'd love to forget, right? In those places, what is it? To, when you look at those places that you'd love to forget, if you were to bring that to God, what would God say to you in that place? There's something unique that God wants to say and speak to each and every one of us. About some place where we're at, some way that we're living. There's something that, something we can do, something that's put before us as an act of repentance. So John spoke about repenting. And people then, they listened, they paid attention, they took it seriously. John asked questions, hard questions, and they were like, We're in. When we come to water baptism, particularly within the life of the church, there are some questions that, that we get asked too. Here are some of the questions. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Do you reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sins? Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? The third one is, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord? Those questions, sometimes we, we run through them fast. But we're really meant to think deeply about those questions. Because in coming to Christ, and coming to baptism, there's a, a turning and a leaving some things. There's taking up some new things, some new endeavors. And it's like, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to make it, but one thing I know is I can trust in God. I can trust in Christ to lead me. So people came to John. They came looking for a new start, for a a new way forward in life. And they were baptized, and they said yes. And then they, they began to ask him a question. Luke tells us, are you the Messiah? Because he said they were looking for the Messiah. Are you the Messiah, the one that we should anticipate? Are you the one that we can put all of our hopes and dreams upon? And John said, I'm not him. There's one who's going to come after me, and his baptism is going to be different than mine, where this one is about repentance, and it's about uh, the foot, the best foot that we can put forward. The one who's going to come after me is going to bring a different kind of baptism. He's going to bring a baptism of the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to come with a sense of fire. Well, Luke says, after saying that, that one day Jesus did come. In Luke 21 3, 21, he says this. One day the crowds, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly beloved Son. You bring me great joy. Jesus came, and he was baptized in the water of John. Now some people wonder why Why was Jesus baptized? Because Jesus, in many proclamations, we'll talk about how Jesus was sinless and he was perfect. Why was Jesus baptized? Because he needed to identify. He wanted to identify with us. He wanted to go to that place where we go. There's no place where Jesus doesn't go. He goes to that place with us. When we say, you know what? I want a different course in life. Jesus is right there. He's right there to meet us. So he shows up and he undergoes the water baptism. He joins us as we do it. But then Luke says that the heavens were opened and that dove of the Spirit, representing the Spirit, came down and descended upon him. And then it said there was a voice from heaven. Did you get that it says The voice. God the Father spoke from heaven. You are my dearly beloved Son and you bring me great joy. There have been... Um, four marks of the Spirit, four marks of the the power that that the Spirit brings to us. And I think, I would suggest to us, that those four marks, we're going to look at the marks in just a second. Well, you can put them up, Kathy. There's fearlessness and power and love and self-control. Those four marks seem to me anyways, as I read it, to be flowing from that word that the Father and the presence of the Spirit that come upon Jesus when he's baptized. When the spirit is poured out on his life. Because the father comes and he gives. I don't know if you've ever had anybody look at you or say to you. You are dearly beloved. Or if your parents have said that. You are my dearly beloved son or daughter. You bring me great joy. I don't know if your parents have ever done that to you. But what a profound gift. What a sense of freedom and and power and, and a sense of fearlessness it gives to you. At least it's given to me. I hope you've had the, the gift and the joy of receiving that from somebody in your life. But um, over the course of my time as being a dad, I've told a lot of bedtime stories. And some of the bedtime stories have caused my wife, Anna, a little um, surprise and grief and agony. Because I tell stories about um, some made-up stories, and then I tell some stories about my childhood. And all the stories are real, True whichever ones. Um, and of my childhood, I often tell stories where there were near-death experiences. I grew up on a farm, and, and when you're on a farm, there's all kinds of things that you can get into. There's powerful things. There's all kinds of tools. And there's all kinds of ways in which I had brushes with death. And, and after a while, she's like, uh, that's kind of surprising and scary. It's like, how did you get there? Well, I think as I was reflecting upon that reality, it's that early in my life and maybe throughout the course of my life, my, my dad especially, both my parents did, they just had this sense of reflecting to me, this sense of unconditional love and that they were pleased with me. And so over the course of life, it wasn't hard to be somebody who was fearless, It wasn't hard necessarily to play with things where there was power involved. It wasn't hard to have a sense of love. It was hard, especially when I was a teenager, to have a sense of self-control. That was harder. But it was something that was there and that could grow. Because you get the sense that somebody loves me and is proud of me and is joyful over me. Jesus gets that with God the Father. And the beautiful thing, friends, is that we're supposed to also be able to hear that voice. That when the spirit is poured out upon us, that the real voice that we're supposed to hear is the voice of God singing over us with great joy and wonder. I don't know if you've ever heard that voice of God. Sometimes I don't know if I have. Sometimes we hear the voice like you're forgiven and we're like, yes. But what about the voice that says you are beloved? I am so pleased with you. You are one of my favorites. That's what Jesus hears. That's the voice that the spirit brings to Jesus in this moment. And because of it. In the rest of the gospel of Luke, we're going to find out how Jesus has a sense of fearlessness and how he has a sense of power and how he has a sense of love and of self-control. I have to admit, in my own life, it seems like um, the spirit is present from time to time, but then there are moments when I really need the spirit. Like in loving somebody that is um, maybe not so unlovable or somebody I might consider an enemy. I struggle in those places. This last week, I was reminded that I struggle with self-control. And not self-control necessarily about what I do with my hands or my feet or, or my body or where I go or even what I do with my eyes, but oftentimes what I do with my mouth and my tongue. And it isn't reflective of the joy and the wonder and the love of God like it needs to be. Jesus gets the baptism of the Spirit. And as you, as you read through the Gospel of Luke, and if you stay with us on this journey, we're going to read through the Gospel of Luke in the next four months, and you'll see places where Jesus reflects fearlessness when, when most of us would be afraid. But he's not afraid. He doesn't duck and run or cover. He stays in the places where he needs to be. We're going to see times when Jesus has great power. We're going to see times when Jesus exhibits love, profound, incredible love for all of us. And we're going to see times when Jesus has great self-control. Self-control so much that he's willing to go to the cross for us and to die for us and go to the cross when a lot of other people are throwing things at him, accusations, and he doesn't defend himself. He just has self-control That God at the end of the day, God the Father and the Spirit, they've got all things under control. I have a question for you. A couple questions. First question is, is Have you been baptized? Do you have faith? If you've not been baptized, would you like to be baptized? Yes! We'll talk afterwards, okay? We'll talk. Because all of us are invited to take up the baptism of repentance, the good news that God loves us, and we're, we're invited to take up that sense of looking God face to face and having conversations with God. And if you want to be baptized, we'll talk. And if the rest of you want to be baptized, we'll talk. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. The second question is this. Have you been baptized with the Spirit? As you look at your life, those marks of fearlessness power, not a power where you coerce, but a power that 's just like it gives you staying power, the power of joy, the power of presence. do you love with the depth of love God has? do you have self control are those marks present in you a couple of years ago i I got to hear Adam uh, Hamilton speak at Church of the Resurrection, and he talked about one of the prayers that he'd written for folks and in his congregation at Church of the Resurrection. I found that prayer really powerful. I'd like to share it with you. and In fact, I'd love to encourage you that if you have the Schweitzer app, you can go there because this prayer is written on the app under sermon notes. And I'd love for you to find your, your favorite piece of paper and to write this down at some place in your life and keep this before you. But he said, you know what? I like to remember the fact of, of baptism when I enter into the shower. He said, so I put this prayer in my shower and I keep it there. It goes something like this. Lord, as I enter the the water to bathe, I remember my baptism. Wash me by your grace. Fill me with your spirit. Renew my soul. I pray that I may live as your child today and honor you in all that I do. Friends, some of us, there are times when we need to remember our baptism. Remember that God has forgiven us and washed us clean and he's given us a new start. And we also need to pray on a daily basis. Spirit, come and do something. Something that's way beyond our own capacity, way beyond our own ability. Do something in my life that I can't. And We need to pray that prayer daily, don't we? Jesus This morning is, we're here in this place of worship, and we're going to have the capacity to come to this table and celebrate your presence with us. We give you thanks that you love us, and your love is so great that it took you to the cross. Your body was broken, and so this bread this morning is broken to remind us of how great your love is for us. When you poured out your life and your blood, and you poured out your spirit, pour out your spirit upon these gifts, we pray, that they may be your body and blood for us, that our souls that are hungry would meet you and connect with you and be fed and nourished by you, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us anew and afresh, because the truth of the matter is is that we are helpless and powerless without your grace. We struggle with loving our enemies and our neighbors and ourselves. We look for power, but it 's not the power of the spirit. And we need your power. We struggle with self-control. Pour out your spirit upon us that would grow within us the beautiful, wonderful, surprising gift of self-control. And help us walk this day in the power of the spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are serving to come forward and to take the bread and the and the cup. I'll be up here to help serve the gluten-free elements if you would if you like those. This morning all of us are invited to come and to receive The band has picked some pretty awesome songs this morning. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the words. But even as we come this morning, as you get to see these words on the screen or you get to hear them sung, think about those words that come from heaven when Jesus has the dove resting upon his shoulder. About the love of God favor that the father has for you and for me and how the father is pleased to make himself available to us to you and to me he finds great joy in you in me we may not be at the place where we think God would find joy with us we don't have to necessarily be at that place Because He sees in us the imprint of Himself, the reflection of His image, and He is joyed. And so with that, friends, we can all come this morning and receive this gift of grace and the gift of the Spirit. So you're welcome to come and hear and receive.